you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Brandy Rubenstein, episode 87. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. So I want to talk to you guys this week about people that I refer to as people that have sensitive nervous systems. Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about this. Uh, there's a term called HSP, which is a term by a woman named Elaine Aaron. And HSP stands for highly sensitive people. And her theory is that 20% of the population just has a more sensitive nervous system. So you take in stimuli from the environment to a heightened degree compared to the other 80% of the people. So a lot of times with little kids, um, they get described as explosive because they take everything in in such a more intense way that it's like they're always on high alert. And since little kids live, for the most part, in their emotional brain, that's the most developed part of their brain, uh, they just can get set off so easily. And so, um, so these little kids are quite often living in a state of chronic anxiety. Now, when we think of the term anxiety and we think about like if you're an adult that has struggled with any anxiety, um, like you probably know that it can feel debilitating. And maybe it shows up in your body like in the form of migraine headaches or a lot of sleeplessness and racing thoughts or um, you have a nervous stomach and you're just nervous a lot or you sweat a lot uh, or you have some social anxiety. You can't think of what to say, right? Like you know what it looks like for adults. But with kids, anxiety often looks different. And and it often, it's it's interesting, it often looks like behaviors that we don't feel very, compa- it's hard for us to feel compassionate towards our kids when they model these behaviors. Like a lot of times anxious kids, they get mean and they say mean things and they can be explosive or shut down. They can be mean to their siblings. Um, they're quick to anger. They're quick to overreact. Um, when something new or different is presented, they'll like dig their heels in. They can be super controlling. A lot of times it shows up in like dictator type behaviors. Um, and then they get categorized as strong-willed or difficult. 
but quite often what's at the root of the behavior is anxiety. Now, if you're over here thinking anxiety, oh my gosh, my child has anxiety, they have anxiety, I want to offer something to you. Anxiety is not cancer, okay? If your child is showing up with these strong will behaviors and some this sounds familiar and you're like, I never thought about it as anxiety. They're feeling anxious. Well, that makes sense because they take in the world at a at a in a more intense way, like smells are smellier, tags are itchier. Um, they, you know, they just they take in things to such a heightened degree that it puts their body in a state of sort of like high alert. It's almost like, you know, they're they're on the front lines of a war and they're on high alert. And so you offer something new or all of a sudden you want to change their environment. You know, they're happy playing at home or doing whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, time to get your shoes on and go to school. And they're, they ignore you, right? So they ignore you because they don't want to change their environment. Like they're on high alert anyway, and they're in their cozy little sanctuary. Why would they want to go out into the unknown world where, all the smells are smellier and the things are going to happen and they don't know what to expect when they're here in their little safe incubator. So they ignore you or they dig their heels in and they resist or they try to control. They try to control. And we make that behavior mean something that something different than it is when it's really just that they're feeling anxious because their little nervous system is taxed. And, um, and, and, and this is what I want to say is when you start to see it, that anxiety and those less than awesome behaviors that are a result of the anxiety. And you remember, this is not cancer. This is anxiety. And it's because this little person has a highly sensitive nervous system and they're taking everything in in a more intense way. And you start to understand, like, this is just their body response to living in a state of high alert or fear or fear, the way to actually support them, because it's not a fun place to live, you guys, right? Like, and if you've ever struggled with anxiety, you know that it's not a fun place to live. The way to actually support them is, is to not to try and cage them. Like I think of like, um, we have a cat that my husband's allergic to cats, but years ago, my daughter decided that we were at PetSmart one day and she wanted to adopt a cat. So it's like an, a cat that lives outside, but we feed it. We actually, okay, don't tell the PetSmart people, but we had to lie and say that it was going to be an indoor cat, but it's really an outdoor cat. It's really a feral cat. And like once a year we have to have, you know, we have to take that cat to get shots at the vet. And let me tell you something, trying to cage that feral cat is a nightmare because that cat is on high alert. It lives in the wild, right? And so when all of a sudden we're putting it in a cage, like it has no clue. Hey, kitty, kitty, we're doing this for your own good because we don't want you to have like terrible diseases. And we're, you're an outside cat, but you're sort of an inside cat and we kind of feel responsible for you. So we want you to get your shots and this is going to serve you long-term. That cat doesn't understand that. That cat thinks like you're putting me in a little cage behind bars and I've got to claw and fight my way out. And so, um, so I want you to think of, especially when your sensitive nervous system kids are in the younger years, like 
they're, they are that feral cat. So when you try to change their environment and they're on high alert on, in the front lines, like anything feels like a threat. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. So the real answer is that we have to stop trying to control them. We have to build trust. We have to let them know, like, like I'm your soft place to land. I got you. I got you. We have to not focus on when they are on high alert showing all those less than awesome behaviors and we we focus on all the less than awesome behaviors when they're in that state of panic and anxiety and fear. Um, all that does is make them feel more alone and like they need to stay in that state of high alert rather than getting to relax and be able to trust us and over time be able to live in a less stressed out state with less anxiety and and become um and become a more enjoyable versions version of themselves because they feel emotionally safe because we've created that environment for them so it's this like vicious cycle you can easily get into when you've got one of these kids because they show so many you know the anxiety for them shows up in ways that does not exactly elicit compassion for for us and so we admonish them on all these less than awesome behaviors rather than getting to the root of the anxiety and helping them to feel safer in the world so that they can show up feeling better. Do you see? So, so it's like, it's like who somebody's got to start the process of disrupting this pattern that's clearly not working for them or us. And since we're the people with the fully developed brains, I think it just, it needs to be us. We can't expect them to start behaving better until we help them to feel safer in the world and their body learns that they don't have to live in this state of constant high alert. And when they do, we've helped them to skill build to get out of that state of high alert and, and ultimately become a more enjoyable version of themselves and a more confident version of themselves. Because I trust, I trust me, when they're acting out in these ways, they know they know they're not being likable. They're not feeling good about themselves. It's like what Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. So if they're not doing well, there's something to figure out. And they need us to have their back and they need us to help them build skills. And we have to do that by helping them get out of that defend and protect zone and move into the love and connect zone so that they can trust us and then be ready to learn new skills to improve future behavior. Have you read my book, The Parent Gap? Have you listened to my book, The Parent Gap? I doubt you've listened because my publisher hasn't released it yet on Audible. However, I have the audio version of The Parent Gap that I would love to send to you. You can download it at mastermindparenting.com forward slash book. That's mastermindparenting.com forward slash book for your free audio version of The Parent Gap. You're welcome. Bye.